Approximately 20% of new businesses fail during the first two years of being open, 45% during the first five years, and 65% during the first 10 years. Only 25% of new businesses make it more than 15 years. 50% of marriages end in divorce, with only 6% of all marriages making it to 50 years. Putting those two things together while raising a family of young kids adds up to the odds of success being slim to none. With those odds, you're more likely to blow your life up in one regard or another and fail both professionally and personally. But every once in a while, it happens. Someone with enough grit and passion, support and commitment proves it can be done. All while staying committed to the vision of serving those that serve others. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode is an underdog story. It's the story of our early years at CCB Technology from the mouths of the folks that started it all. Today, we're hearing from Chris and Patty Booth, the founder and co-founder of CCB. And to spice it up a little more, I asked our current CEO and owner, Patrick Booth, to join as well, who also happens to be their son, if the last name didn't completely give it away. This was a first for me, and I had a great time witnessing the magic of the Booth family interact. The Booth family hits on a ton of topics, including the legacy that's being passed on. Well, enough intro from me. Let's jump into the conversation with Chris filling us in on the early years of CCB. Why was CCB started? Three reasons. One, God gave me an idea. I, for years, thought about what things to do. And I, um, there was a series of events that happened. I was asked to be president of the company I was at. Then the owner came back and said he didn't want to be, he couldn't retire. And I went, okay. I wasn't upset. I just said, okay. Anyway, the installed base of nonprofits, I had worked for the software publishing Association, SPA. And um, there I helped with other people from Microsoft and WordPerfect and others, Borland, to create nonprofit pricing for education site licenses. It was a very interesting situation because a 501c3 is charitable, Mm -hmm. religious, and education. The only one that was getting special pricing was education. Mm -hmm. And I knew that. And so, uh, because I helped create site licenses for colleges and high schools. So that is how it evolved. And I happened to have relationships with a lot of those people. So it was easy to go to them and say, well, it wasn't that easy, but it was, it, it was, it was understandable that two of the sec- sectors or segments did not get special pricing. So um, I saw that opportunity. God gave me the idea mm-hmm. and uh, I prayed about it forever. And um they, they, they were, they said, you know, what do you mean? Why? And so they argued with me <laughs> and I, I had a passion to help mm-hmm. nonprofits save money. Also, it was a place to go to work. I don't mean that wrong, but, yeah. but it was a place to go to work. The first place the office was downstairs in our home. And the third thing was the education uh, was the pricing that we started with, with educational pricing. They put an N beside it and to talk distributors into it. People uh, were very excited about increasing their market share and their revenue. Without those two things, they were not interested. 
Um, and it was hard to get pe- it was harder to get people interested than I thought. We were slow, but at, at some point it just took off. It really became a rocket ship. It wasn't it wasn't just a nice graph. It was straight up, you know, and, and it was hard to control things when things were going so crazy and wild and orders were just pouring in. One time we had so many so much sales in one week I had to I raised prices <laughs> to stop the orders. And then they then they started ordering it still was it still was a good price. So that's why we created something that had never been done before called um, drop shipping. We couldn't aff- we could not keep up with all the orders with the boxes and stuff, so we drop shipped. I had several orders about every 15th, 20th order come to the house. So I could inspect to make sure that the invoice said CCB or it was not going out from the distributor. That's how it started. Yeah. I'm, I'm very proud that we made the effort to start. Yeah as compared to not making the effort. You know, I had lots of ideas about starting a hamburger stand and places like that. Never had the idea with the nonprofit had I not gone to the Software Publishing Association and been associated with other people and creating the licensing. It never would have started. Anyway, it was an interesting concept. And it was, a, it was, it was so obvious because the charitable and religious were not getting it, but they were paying higher prices. They were paying. Oh, by the way, the size of the installed base of nonprofits was 1.7 million. So it's huge, yeah. huge installed base, a huge installed base of which, of which the education was very excited about because there was a lot of schools and you had to get, we were educationally approved, but we had to get charity approved. Mm-hmm. And dad, one of the things I remember is that you shared a story about how you were on a board for, I believe, the church, and somebody brought up the pricing situation about how the church couldn't afford it, and you started talking about discounted pricing. Well, why don't we get discounted pricing? And like, there is no discounted pricing. And that that also led to you to see that, wait a minute, this isn't fair. We can do something about this, and you could, and you did. There was a time period that pricing always was an issue, and people were starting up nonprofits whether it was churches or charities, and and they are today, but um, it was difficult to say no versus yes, we can help you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that and Patrick's comment is very good because um, it did uh, it did allow us to move four times <laughs> from the basement to a office space, then to another office space, and then to where we are here. It's very gratifying and exciting to be here because in this conference room, a lot of decisions were made. And the timing of it, I got to say, is this is in the early 90s when you started CCB. So the timing of where technology, I know where we are today, but we all forget about how it started. And so the timing, the vision you had and the moment to create this, I'd say to anybody who is out there trying to come up with an idea, look at the timing. If there's a need, go for it. But uh, I want to get my mom involved because you were a big part of this. Mom, what did you think about CCB and when you think of the early days and when it all happened and when Dad started it with you? He actually just came into our home one day and said, I quit my job and we're going to go on with this new idea. I, <laughs> I, I remember that because we had a family meeting. We've only had a We did. It was in the we kitchen. Had, and my sister, who's four years older, I was in eighth grade. She was going into college. She starts crying. <laughs> I'm just take, taking it in, and I don't really understand what's happening. 
it's just that that was our beginning, and he um, had a little bit of a transition from quitting his job, and they even liked him so much in his office, which was an hour and 15 minutes away from our home. It was in Deerfield, Illinois. So he had actually commuted for 10 years so that we would not have to move the family uh, from so it was a two and a half hour round trip? Yes. Wow. So even though he worked down there, so they did give him a little space. He was vice president at that time of that corporation, had this beautiful office, and he gave everything up, and he was going to come and work in our basement. But they did give him a transition of a few months in a small office, which was nice. But that got us ready so that by the summertime, he was ready to work in our basement and start, which I had no idea what he was going to do, but I was going to support him. That was um, that I was going to do whatever I needed to do to help him and um, be a part. Um, so that was exciting to think about it because it was something new. He had always been traveling all over the world. He would be gone every week. So literally, what, there was a question that we were talking about. What was a challenge to me was all of a sudden, I was Chris and I were thrown into an area in our marriage that we had never had before, and mm-hmm. that is to be 24-7 together and working on the same project because right. I did anything. He, I was his support team. I mm-hmm. did whatever he needed me to do on paperwork. I couldn't really. I was an educational major, so I was a teacher more than I was a business but I needed to learn the business to be able to support him. So basically, um, one of the challenges was losing my home for two years as we grew into a business. And when we left my home, I had I had nine people coming to my house besides the UPS guy who came every day to pick up. But um, So there was a lot of transition of um, we never could get away from the office. When we first started, we did not have a business line, so I'd have to answer the home phone, uh, CCB Commitment Marketing. We had two companies going. Uh, Commitment Marketing supported CCB because Chris was an a advisor, a consultant for other big companies that would hire him, and that helped pay for CCB to so get you had started. two businesses going we simultaneously. Did. So my friends would home. call the home phone, and I would answer it because we didn't have a business line, <laughs> CCB Commitment Marketing, and they go, Patty, is do I have the wrong number? Is this Patty? You know. So that went on until we got all the lines and had to get it into and some faxes and stuff. And and basically, um, the kids were involved when they were young. We he'd sit down and we'd be in the family room with pamphlets with a magic marker, uh, saying seventy percent software discount. I remember this day specifically. I do too. Because I was like, "Why are we doing this?" And my dad dad said, "Don't worry, just just, just write do it, it down. Just like, mark where did it these off. come from? Don't worry, it's just do it." <laughs> yeah. So I learned seventy percent off. Day, Don't question the boss. Just do what he says. Don't yeah. question the colonel. So we would sit sit there. So really, when it started, the the kids, uh, our daughter was graduating from high school. She was, and Patrick was going to go into ninth grade the next year. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. We we did whatever we needed to do, and then when a job got too big for me to handle accounting and everything else and answering the phones, we would hire somebody to help me take off because I basically tried to keep the attempt, you know, the um, HR going too, besides getting supplies and everything. So there's a lot of behind the scenes that I just wanted to be able to do and yet still have a family. And then another challenge was I was doing a full-time ministry. Oh. So 
this is a lecturing every week to, you know, 300 women. So on Wednesday, when I would really write my lecture, Chris would say, now you got to stop at three o'clock because I would need to start my lecture writing because I'd be so busy. And um, so there was a challenge. And I actually do not know how God carried me through those ministry years, those two years Mm -hmm. that we had at the home, because I had people in and out. Three businesses, really. Yeah. The two businesses for work, plus your ministry business. The ministry, which had about 40-some leaders. you were running, yeah, 40 leaders, 40 employees. It was a full-time ministry. Being on stage every Thursday, giving a lecture to 300 women, and you did that. And still having kids that are Yeah, I was still around. Place. Yeah. So, um, so I think some of the challenges was, you know, the home, um, doing a full-time ministry at the same time, and um, being with my husband all that time mm-hmm. and losing your home. Now, the funny thing is about this is um, Chris would get on the phone as soon as business hours opened. He'd be on the phone down the basement. I'd be on the middle floor answering phones. Um, shipping was coming. I had to do all the shipping because we were shipping software boxes out. Right. So right, right, the right, big, right, right. the big exciting thing. Yeah, the was, cloud hadn't come up yet, so everything was. Oh just no! Boxes, everything right? was boxes. I would get. Um, our friends prayed for us. We were, Chris was told never to start this company. There was a bad timing and mm-hmm. it would never work. So he just kept to his vision. And again, I supported him and he went ahead and did it. And I think we're so excited to never saw what was coming in 2020, all these years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patty was the only person that really encouraged me. She, she believed I, I had been in business like 20 some years plus years. So I, and I got promoted very often. We moved, I think eight times in those years. So anyway, the point, point is Patty supported me. Other people said it'll never work. Nonprofits don't have any money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I just continued to have a, a belief and a passion for helping others um, and serving. And so, but Patty, I give her all the credit. She held it together and, and gave me encouragement. Because we, I was getting into the business and I would have questions at the beginning of the day that I knew I had to um, deal with and for the business. And so I would wake up as early with thoughts of my mind, mm-hmm. multitasking in my head at the very beginning. Uh, but then finally I would when Chris, I thought, was waking up at 5.30 or 6, I go, Chris, I need to ask you some questions. And he goes, not before coffee, not before coffee. <laughs> and so he said, "So he said, I've got to put a limit on you. You cannot ask me questions. My thought was I wanted to get questions before he went downstairs. Uh-huh. Because once he got involved on in the phone calls, he's, just, he's, he's gone because he's making custom. Yep. He's yep. working the customers now. Well, and how would you, I can't imagine turning it off to go to sleep. Well, that's what I'm saying. You when you're in your house, so I would try to wake. I'd wake up and have all these questions. Yes. Now, how do I do this? And yeah. what do you think I should do here? And he's he'd go, okay, let's make a rule. So you did have to figure yeah. out the boundaries when you're together yeah. all twenty four seven. Even doing the timing of this podcast with you all, it's so perfect because everyone has been sent home to work from home for yes. the most part. And so now I think anybody listening, whether you run a business or run an organization, or maybe you're just part of it. You've had to try to find out how to have a balance between work life and home life because we all have been thrown into this 2020 COVID-19 uh, time period, and yeah. it is. So I think it's valuable. Now, I have a perspective 
from being a kid during this time. Yeah, yeah. And I got to share this. So I used to ride the bus home and the bus would always drop me off right in our front of our house. And this was, you know, in a neighborhood. The kids on the bus said, why do you have so many cars at your house? Because you mentioned <laughs> nine employees. Yeah. And I didn't know what to say. So I just said, I don't know. And I would just get <laughs> off the bus and I prayed every day. Please don't ask me what's going on in my house. Please don't ask me. I would walk in and I would you know, be upstairs on our normal regular floor and it was normal. It was home until employees had to come up and have a break and our employees needed to come up and drop off something for shipping. And we would do shipping, me and you together, mom, when I would come home from, from the afternoons, we would pack up your Jeep. Yeah. We would load the boxes in. Yeah. We would drive to the, the area where UPS was and we would do that ourselves as a family business. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Um, and then I would go downstairs and I would see how the biz, the biz basement had transformed from being a place of entertainment mm -hmm. to a place of work. And they would all say, hey, Patrick, hey, Patrick. And, you know, it'd be just normal, you know, I guess normal for that period of time. And we did. It was a big adjustment, but lots of good memories. And the characters that were in the, the house uh, were interesting as well. But, you know, it's part of literally the business life. And I said this before in my own podcast, I grew up learning about how to run a business at the kitchen, dining table, whatever you want to call it, where we did dinner. They talked about business problems. They talked about employee stuff. They talked mm -hmm. about HR stuff. They talked about finances. They, they talked about the business. And I just learned as an eighth grade kid, I was going to school learning how a business was actually run. So I'm, I'm very appreciative. I could not be the leader I am today if we hadn't been in that family startup situation. So a couple decades of experience, multiple businesses run at the same time and now CCB still going on, coming up on 30 years. So what have been some of the most surprising, and this is for anybody, <laughs> What have been uh, some of the most surprising lessons learned over the past few decades of running a family business? Well, I'll start with the, the embezzlement of funds that we came up in our preliminary talking mm -hmm. um, was a shocking to me. And uh, the people that steal from you are the ones you trust. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, there's some truth to that. And, uh, but really, I think that the answer really is, is let God there's an old saying, when you slam the door, then the D falls off, let go. So I had to let go and yet still be involved in everything. I had 17 companies that I was working at Commitment Marketing, advising. And I had other people working for me. I think I think it was four people totally. And then a bunch of brokers. Um that was supporting and funding, and that guy named Nick Salimus, who's no longer with CCB, said to me in Las Vegas, when are you going to make a choice between the two companies? And I went, what do you mean? He went, well, commitment marketing, nobody's paying you. You're giving all this free advice. You know, Some people were paying us. He said, when are you going to pay attention to CCB? And I went, okay, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And uh, so anyway, that's how it happened it, it, about three to four years into it. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things about Nick that I remember from the story was he saw the the opportunity for CCB. He saw the potential in CCB. And I think he said to you, Chris, you got something here, but you need to give your attention to it. And then he ended up coming over yeah, to CCB because he saw that and saw the opportunity. So I think having people around you who can see opportunities, whether it's mom encouraging you to start it or adding on employees who mm -hmm. see the value of where it can go, 
Um, that is the key, right? Who do you surround yourself with that can actually have vision to help you? And then you have to go do it. But that was encouraging. It was. I, I've told Patrick this before. It's not on the questions here, but I had been in business 20 plus years and I was older. So people accepted what I did. They didn't challenge it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I just did things. When you start up, you just make decisions. Every day you make decisions. Patty came down one day in my former job and sat in my office. I don't know why you were there, but, but um, you did. And, and the people would come to my doorway and say, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? I make like 100 decisions. Well, at the end of the day, there was no water left in the barrel. Mm-hmm. They were scraping the bottom. It was easy to transition to CCB and commitment marketing because I made decisions every day. So that goes into this next question, Chris and Patty. I'm, I'm interested to hear. We talked a li- we touched on it a little bit already, but picture this: you're at lunch with someone who's got an idea that could change the world, much like CCB did for nonprofit licensing way back in '91. What advice do you give them? What things should they be watching out for? What things should they pour into? What things should they guard? Um, I think the first thing is I would say to them, uh, you got to have a lot of passion and failure is not an option. Failure, you're going to you're going to fail, but you've got to be able to get up. Patrick showed us a picture over his desk of Rocky. And it's not how hard you get you hit. It's how hard you get hit and Mm -hmm. take it and keep going forward. Um, You need a large installed base. The one, one we started with was 1.7. What's yours? Mm-hmm. If it's not a million or 500,000, then maybe you should think of another idea. Another, another question would be, um, are the publishers going to be involved? Are they going to be excited about it? Are they going to want to increase market share and revenue? Otherwise, that, that was the key when we started CCB. People were excited about increasing market share and revenue in an area they had never thought of. Mm-hmm. They had the education, but they had not the charity or the religious. And there were so many churches in the United States and charities. All the publishers wanted to see a spike up and something they could brag about. They all, they all wanted to brag about how they had come, found this idea and to the people they reported to. And uh, the other question was, has this ever been done before? Mm-hmm. And if it has, okay, how are you going to improve upon it or how are you going to find a niche in that? That's good, but what are the next steps? And so what? So what? So, so somebody's done it before. So what? What are you going to do to improve upon it? How are you going to make it better? Mm-hmm. What? Do you, what? What are? Are you going to just go along for the ride? Now, a lot of companies imitated us and did not improve upon it. They hired more people, but they didn't do as much volume as we did. And then the last question would be: Who? Who do you have that's encourage you, encouraging you to do this? Who? And, and make them answer, be specific as compared to, well, I'm just getting encouragement. Well, you, who's giving you encouragement? And how'd you come up with this idea? And who told you to do this? Who told you to do it? Make, make, them, make them squirm a little bit because it's okay to be uncomfortable when you're starting something new. Mm-hmm. I think I would say that... Um did we do everything right when we started the company? No, but the saying that I was sharing with Steve is mm-hmm. it's bad to make a mistake, but it's worse if you do not learn from it. So we did a we had a lot of learning to do as we started a new company. We had to really know how to do a manual and do everything. So it takes a lot of 
research on on what you're going to do as you start a business. It just doesn't come, and and sometimes it's trial and error that, especially as you start working and adding employees one at a time. So, I think that um, that is again something that you just have to deal with um, as you go. That there's going to be unexpected things happen that you're not expecting. I mean, there can be good and bad, and to be alert to them, but don't let the unexpected things that sort of want to push you down just keep going with your vision. You just, as Chris said, you get back up and you keep moving toward what you're going to do. I know people would say to me after the first year, well, how's your company? Because we had so many friends praying for it and Mm -hmm. helping us give us boxes so we could do shipping because we didn't afford boxes. And, And I'd go every year, I'd say, well, we could pay we could pay the bills and we could and we're surviving. So I think in those early years, it's it's that we never did try to grow too fast, and I think that's mm. another thing as starting a company. Um, we did not want to be a company that had debt, so we didn't go out and try to move it. That's one reason we stayed in the house for two years yeah. was so that there was no debt of until we could afford it. Um, so I think you have to be conscious of who you are, what you are, and not try to get this big name or image right away. Mm-hmm. Years after we were still moving forward every year, people would say to us, you guys are under the radar, you know, because we didn't, people knew of us, but they always thought we were a much bigger company than we were. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, you're just, and, and what it was, was we, we wanted to be able to provide for our, for our employees. We didn't want it to be a debt that we would have to pay or the company would have to pay. And so we just did, we took it slowly mm-hmm. and just let it grow as it grew. And like I said, we hired people to do what I did as it got too much, for, as we grew and, and I couldn't handle all the jobs. I wore all the hats of, you know, HR and accounting and answering the phone. And, <laughs> and it was wonderful when we kept getting uh someone knew and then but we could afford them when we did it so and I think also just when you're true to yourself is not always about making the money um, I know Chris went to a uh, big nonprofit down in Chicago and they wanted to either have us do something for them um, and Chris actually consulted and said we're not the company we really can't do what you want us to do. So he was being with integrity and honesty right up front. That meant that we could have said, oh, yeah, we can do it. But really, he knew we did not, were not able to do it. So when you guys started, um, it was uh, a risk. It was busy and hard. Mental state. I know you said, Chris, uh, failure failure is not an option. And that, that alludes to a strong mindset. But what do you do when people say that you're crazy for starting this? What encouragement do you have for people that are maybe going to start something, but they know, ah, some people might not agree with this. Like, what do you do with, with that sort of rejection? You, you eliminate them. Okay. <laughs> you surround yourself with people that encourage you. Okay, good. I thought you were talking about like load it up, cock it back, and let's eliminate them. I didn't know what kind of bodies we were. No, you just no, you just do not. This is not the family business. <laughs> we're in Wisconsin. We are not Make in our parts. They can't refuse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, keep going. I like this. Good. No, you you find people that will support you mm. emotionally, not financially, but emotionally. 
People said the reason we bought from you because you believe so much in what you were talking about, the mm-hmm. words you used. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I was going to say, Dad, is you said it earlier, but there's going to be doubters. There's going to be naysayers. There's going to be days that you even doubt yourself. But if you have a passion, it's just not about money. If you're trying to do a job for money, you're probably going to run out of business because the money is going to disappear or something's going to hit the wall. And then you have to decide, am I going to get back up and keep going? And, you know, I think there is so much more at stake here. And mom, you said it, it wasn't just about making money. We, that's not, we wanted to be successful, but I also wanted to say, I saw your activity that you all did. I saw the sacrifices you did. You went to shows, you did marketing things. You, you did everything you could to get the word out. You hit the phones, dad. You didn't just sit there and wait for business to come to you. So I want to make it, there is a huge didn't, difference. Didn't wait for the phone. It, to it wasn't about the money but you put the work into it and we wouldn't be here today if you didn't take this with passion and commitment. That's why we were successful. I also believe we were blessed, but you had that fire in you and it wasn't about the money. It was about getting the word out on what your offering was. Before we move on from that, I just recently heard a quote from a guy named David Goggins and he's got a crazy story and he was the world record holder for pull-ups in a 24-hour period and did like 4,000 pull-ups. He, he's, he's wild. He's got a wild story. But his quote was, "He haters, you're always going to have haters. And if you walk on water, they're going to say, well, you only walk on water because you're, you can't swim. No matter what you do, there's going to be people that doubt you. So I just that came to mind as you're talking about launching this business. And people are going to say, no, don't do it. Don't do it, even if you see an opportunity for it. When I've heard that some people start businesses as a hobby, I heard this from our friends at Montreal Mm. Leadership. Mm -hmm. So I'll give a a shout out to David, uh, Daniel Tardy, uh, and uh, Sarah Sloan, who did that uh, podcast. But seriously, are you starting a business because you're passionate about it? Or are you starting a business because it's a hobby Mm -hmm. and you're just trying to see? Because if it's a hobby, you're not committed. It's a thing you pick up once in a while. Sure. When you think about starting the company, too, there is definitely a lot of sacrifice and also that you're ready to leave the thought of an image behind that if you were in corporate. For example, Chris had a beautiful office in Chicago or the Deerfield area. He had no problem giving up the corner office or whatever you want to say because he had such believed in the vision Mm -hmm. and had such a drive to do it. But he also, I remember the, one of the first trips that, you know, again, we were paying for, not the company, not, you know, where I had to put him on a, like a school bus to go down to, to O'Hare, but it was a regular bus, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I remember having tears because it was so a difference than yeah. him driving, paying for parking down there, but trying to save money as we started a new company. Mm-hmm. And I even said to Chris, do I need to go back to work teaching and give up the ministry. And Chris said, no, let's see how God provides. I don't want you to do that yet. Mm -hmm. And then I never did have to go back to work except working for CCB. Mm -hmm. And I was able to continue the ministry. But I remember when he did that, and then he tells me the story that when he got on this bus, he accidentally tripped or something and he ripped his pants so now he his his khaki pants yeah. and he had looked so nice and he was going out to california and he was going to stay at some hotel that was the cheapest hotel ever so completely different yeah. than what he had been used to in the corporate world so to go from a corporate yeah that you have so much given to you and a limo mm-hmm. picked you up and the nice hotels everything had to be set aside 
in order to start the business. You have to have a burning in your belly. Mm. If you don't have that burn, then you're just gonna you never you're never gonna get through the tough times. There's a fish on the outside of our building. I used to look at that fish every night. I went out and said, did I do it the right way? Mm-hmm. Did I have integrity? Did I do it the right way, Lord? And so that's important that you hear that because if you don't have integrity, you're going to fail. Yeah, You have to have integrity about what you do. And you have to have passion about what you do. You have to want it. You have to want it really bad. Sometimes when we only made X amount of dollars, I'm not going to say for the month, I'd say, why am I doing this? You know, one mistake and you wipe it all out. One mistake. So, but if you don't have that passion, it it keeps fueling the fire. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things to add to that story that, that I'm hearing is too, is we talked about this actually in just our company meeting this week about in order to really see something happen, one, you need a plan. And then two, you need to have some pressure applied. You, in that story hearing, you didn't have, you were down to your very probably lowest moment. You were not going to accept failure. You couldn't accept failure. In, though you told your wife, it could be a possibility. But when you walked in that office, failure was not an option. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. But I never thought he was going to fail. My parents would say, I don't know what you and Chris are doing. But isn't but that true as he's leaders? Not fail. We sometimes <laughs> doubt ourselves as leaders. Oh yeah. We don't think we can do it, but then the people watching us and then all it takes is somebody to encourage you to say, I know you can do it. I've seen you do it. And then, you know, but in our minds, we talk about this a lot, and Steve has a lot of good insights on this, is why do we tell ourselves as leaders we can't, even though you've proven you were successful, Dad, you had done great jobs, you had been promoted, you had achieved, I think, great success in your life, but you were in a new situation that was unknown, something that was uncomfortable. And we all as people doubt, can I do it? Do I have enough inside of me to to accomplish this? Well, somewhere you have to find it in you because at the end of the day, nobody's gonna get you there unless you choose to do it. Now you have people around you, encourage you, support you because you can never do it alone. Your back was absolutely against the wall and you made the choice to push through. So when you, when you look back, uh, Chris and Patty, um, and Patrick, this applies to you as well when you look at your parents, but Chris and Patty, what, what makes you the, the most proud? What are some, some of your proudest moments uh, when you look over the last three dec- decades of CCB's existence? Well, I, I'll start with, um, as a family-owned business, uh, it's, we survived <laughs> terrible numbers and situations that could have made us broken us, but we did not break. We did bend, but we didn't break. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be in business one year, three years, five years, seven years, ten years, fifteen years, now almost thirty, is is unheard of. Well, there are there are there are a few companies that have made that, but there's a lot of effort that goes into it. Okay, and a lot of good people. Um, we never were flashy. Patty said that about making money. We never really wanted to have brass and glass. That was my term. Um, we were conservative in almost everything. We didn't do anything till we had to. <laughs> and the people that stayed with us, I'll just name a few, Paula, Patty Lejewski, Barb, they, people watched that and mm-hmm. said, why are they still here? What am I missing? And so they had to, they, and everybody was running a very fast mile at the time. So they had to keep up with them. 
it was it was it was really hard, but um, it it was also rewarding at the time, and uh, and people believed in what we were doing. I, I I'm going to say that if they, that's a very important part. They're all they all make the ingredients to the pie that. Um, they believed in the nonprofits. They believed in how we were serving people, not selling, but serving. You know, they encouraged, they did, and they did start to encourage me after Patty and we first started. Well, I think um, one thing is we built a foundation that was based on honesty, integrity, you know, just really keeping those as the core. One thing I said to Chris when we started the company, because Again, mine was more the heartbeat for the company and his was the business part, but Mm -hmm. just as we employees is that I said, I can get excited if our desire and aim is to build a company, but we build it in a different way, that our company becomes a family company, not just family owned, but family with that kind of culture that develops, that we care about our employees first. Mm -hmm. I still see it continues today that we do care about our employees, we do care about um, our community, we do care about the employees' families. Uh, there's decisions that we made that we, the company would take on maybe a, a responsibility money-wise because we knew families couldn't maybe afford a family health insurance. So we would pay more because we didn't want those families to not have to struggle. So we made decisions like that, and that excited me. And what I guess one of the biggest things that I wasn't even expecting is some of the people that prayed at the beginning, mm-hmm. their children were little like or young like ours. Some of those people that prayed for us, their children came to work at CCB. Mm-hmm. Now, I never saw that when we started. So I see CCB as like a, a tree with branches in mm-hmm. a way. And on those branches is a lot of different families that it's excited when we hear that someone said, well, with the, with the profit sharing they or the 401k, they can buy a house now. Mm-hmm. That would excite me because that meant we were investing into our employees with a company that's more than just making money for the company, but goes back to the people. Yeah. And that's, to me, is what would excite me about a company. Yeah. And I see Patrick continuing to do the same thing. We were very family-oriented. We weren't just interested in making money. Something that you need to know, though, is we started profit-sharing at 100% at the very beginning. And that was something nobody was doing. That was to attract people. So it was important Mm -hmm. to have profit-sharing, then medical, Patty mentioned. And it was important to be a family, not just a money-making machine. The money was important. But one of the successions that to continue that conversation was Patrick wanting it and wanting to be involved and loving the culture mm-hmm. and had the ability to take over. You know, things I'm proud of is definitely being the second generation to run this company uh, and now own it. The other thing is, I mean, you guys set the example before me. You know, there's this phrase that I learned in ministry when I had been part of it, of just certain being part of serving and attending, is more things are caught than taught. Mom and Dad, you never told me why it was important to honor people's birthdays at work. I just saw you do it. You would buy the employees a cake. And as we grew, we couldn't buy a cake for everyone. (laughs) So we started celebrating one cake for everyone. But even to this day, we celebrate birthdays. And now I give the day off 
for people's birthdays. But you guys taught me that. Nobody told me how to do it. I just watched and observed. Um, but I have learned so much. And then the the story that people don't realize is I did go work for another company, a corporation to begin with. And I didn't want to be part of the family business because I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go do my own thing. But then when I saw the difference and I didn't realize how much and how special CCB was until I got to a corporate environment and I realized corporate is just run different. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's different than what I was raised with. And when I saw it wasn't a fit for me, I knew I wanted to work for a smaller company. Now, I didn't think I was going to go back to CCB. I thought it was just going to be a smaller company. And my dad's a great salesman and he made an offer and I thought it was going to be a temporary opportunity. But here I am now coming up onto my 20th year and I'm as an employee and I'm so proud to say that there was this family business that I could be part of. And uh, so I'm just so excited, but it really comes down to giving people a great place to work, having a business that is known for integrity. And now we've done a lot more in our community and I'm grateful for the employees here as we do the give back challenge. You said it. It's not about my heart or my parents' heart. It's the heart of CCB is the employee's heart. It's all united. It's all connected. And now every year we go and we serve in the community in special community projects and everyone looks forward to that. And I just say the heartbeat of CCB was started with Chris and Patty Booth, my parents, but now the heartbeat of CCB is every single employee that comes here and their heart is all connected. It's, it is a family business together. And Patrick, you brought up a good point. Just to make it clear, when Chris and I started it, we did not think, did not know it was going to be a family business. We didn't say this is what Patrick when you. So our daughter actually was in college, but every summer she would work at our company. Patrick would work and learn in our company. But we see we weren't. A, what I'm saying is, when we set out, it was to help the nonprofits. We didn't mm-hmm. think through all this that oh, the benefit that would come to our family yeah. and the experience. We didn't think that. So then when our daughter graduated, she actually changed her major to marketing after liking working. And then she moved to Nashville and opened up a business for us down there, an office. And she worked four and a half um, years in CCD. But that wasn't planned. And then Patrick went off to college. And we never put pressure on him that he had to work at our company. Well, this is going to be our family business. That wasn't our job. Mm -hmm. Our mission was to help the nonprofits. Not, not our family. So it's exciting to see how we didn't even have a clue that it would turn into what the family is today, which right. is exciting. Once our daughter had her first child, then she didn't work anymore and did some things to help us. But she's always been connected of wanting to know how our, you know, it's part of in her blood. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not knowing that. Patrick went to work at a big corporation in California and but then again, our daughter-in-law even worked at our company, which again, that's wonderful that she could come during the summer and work at CCB. Mm-hmm. But those all things that happened and came about on its own, not us thinking and planning it. Right. So right. that's why I say when you take a day at a time, you trust God, you look to Him, you keep your vision, you go with integrity. God opens the doors, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Again. Um, and if a door shuts, which we had doors shut mm-hmm. for many things, even on our contract with some Microsoft for the nonprofit, but yet he opened a window. Mm-hmm. And you look and you be grateful and thankful for the window. But again, for Patrick to come back into the company, that was a God thing, but nothing that we put pressure on him. He 
saw California. He the corporate was very hard too. And then a couple of years later, he said, "You know, I'm I'm wanting to come back and work in the ministry department of nonprofit." Yeah, or yeah, something. yeah. I wanted. I had a, and you guys were willing to give that to me. And that's another thing at CCB. There never had been a dedicated ministry department, and I wanted to help yeah. run that, and they gave that. And we say that oftentimes at CCB, and I, I did learn this. Just because a job isn't there today doesn't mean CCB won't create it for you tomorrow. And I guess yeah. that's another thing I'd say to anybody listening. Be flexible. You know, If you have the right person in, your, in the right talent, and they have an idea, and they have a plan, and you think it's, it, you see the, there could be a need there for your business to grow with it, Give them a chance because mm-hmm. if it, the same thing you got to you got to have an opportunity. You do have to have good structure, but you got to take a chance every now and then. I say calculated risk, but sometimes it is just a flat out risk to be honest. And I think when Patrick decided that he might come back, I mean, he might be interested in CB. It shocked Chris and I mm-hmm. so much because we didn't try to talk you into it. We just kept doing our daily job of keeping it going. And you actually interviewed, I believe, with the vice president. I did. We knew, okay, if he comes back, I didn't want to lose a son to Mm. just be for him to become an employee. And I knew that there needed to be a a balance there too. So that some of that would still not be in a conflict. Well, the thing about CCB, and I would say to any family business out there, make your kids start from ground zero. That's what they did to me. I, I yeah. mean, I had to earn my way to this position. Patrick started with what we call DOA, dead on arrival. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have any account that no. had not ordered for two years, and <laughs> I, I had to bring them back. And then he brought a lot back. He brought them all back. And so, and I, I said, okay, he's ready. But what he may not know, or may he might know, is when he started the ministry division, I had to give people transfer that take them out of their accounts so no but I, I i was part of that and and i remember we wanted to be fair it, not just fair we wanted to do better than just be fair we gave them better accounts out of my territory for me to take a lesser account but i but i had a passion to want to help ministries grow um and and i just wanted to have a division dedicated to it and my first hire is still here today um he's doing very very well and and he's at the very top and our sales uh, group, but it's so cool to see how there's a p- bigger plan, and sometimes you don't know what's coming around the corner, but there is a plan that does develop, and I guess I heard, be patient, and, and that's the thing I struggle with, I'll be honest, uh, you guys can't see me, I'm raising my hand of, I'm not a patient person, but if you can be, it's amazing how better it is, and somebody said, I could offer you a trip right now um, to somewhere like, yeah, I'll go on a trip, I'll go to Chuck E. Cheese, well, I was going to offer you the second trip was Disney World. I know that we're doing COVID and this isn't a good time. But my point is, are you taking the first thing just because you just want to get it? But what what if you waited just a little bit longer? How better could that reward be? And well, and that's what I was going to say. So time can come with the best answer is not to rush, but to wait and watch it get unfolded on its own. And then it's so much better than if we had tried to talk Patrick into leaving California, that it was us saying, you've got to come, Patrick, we need your help. But we didn't because that wasn't in our sight. And yet look how God surprised us with the company today. And um, I think what makes me sometimes proud is we do have employees that have been with us a long time. And that says something to any company. I mean, people who, a few have been with us since we were in the house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, and then we have others that I always think it's interesting when people have left us 
And in a few years, they call back and they say, Do, is there a position for us? Sure. Even ones that we had difficulty with mm-hmm. have called back and said, I really would love to work with you guys. Mm. So to me, that meant we must be doing something okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and when we sat at this conference table, there were people that would come afterwards and say, I'd like to work for your company. They were calling on us from other companies. You know, they, they had they saw they saw here what Patrick said described that they weren't getting in corporate life. Sure. They they wanted more of what we had than and they wanted less of what they were seeing at their own company. And Patrick has that even ongoing. So we see that that still comes, that people he'll share with us that somebody in a business setting has come and said, hey, do you have an opening? You know? Well, and again, it's not even, always, it is coming up to me sometimes, but it's also coming up to the other employees. I mean, Steve, you get approached all the time. And, and that's the thing is like, there's something bigger here than just a business that's making money. Yep. People feel there's a connection. And at the end of the day, we can't, we don't want to ever lose that. Mm-hmm. Um, things can change in the business, different offerings, different products. But the heart of the business has to stay pure. And, and I've said this, whoever the next person is going to run CCB, they've got to have the same heart as the first generation, the second generation, and whoever the next person is. Because that without that heart, CCB will lose who it is. And yeah. we can't do that. And the coolest part, I will say, is with all the employees here, I don't think they'll ever let that happen. <laughs> they all want the same company. And I just had somebody yesterday tell me, I don't want to work for another company. And they and I can't tell you what that means to me to lift my heart up. Even though I feel I fail all the time and I feel like we don't get it right all the time and it's that that ongoing in your mm-hmm. back of your mind. Oh, I don't think I don't know. I, I bet you people would love to get a job somewhere else. Then you hear somebody say to you, "No, I do want to be here and I'm grateful to be here and I thank you for all you have done." I think as leaders, don't forget, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's a lot of pressure. But if you're making an impact in your community by doing it the right way with integrity and taking care of your employees, they might not say it every day, but you definitely are making an impact in their world. So a couple more questions before we wrap up uh, the conversation. And because of the the podcast title, Impact of Leadership, um, how do you all define leadership? Uh, What has it looked like in your life? Uh, Surviving is not easy. But you have to want to survive. You have to want to live. You have to want to another month, another quarter, another year. Um, Encouraging, you have to encourage people and praise them for their achievements and efforts and ask them to do more than they think they can do. Mm -hmm. That's really hard, but it's, it's hard to make those words come out of your mouth. But, you know, it's important that the people are are asked to do more. And, um, <laughs> and prayer is probably the first option of leadership. You know, I used to have a sign on my wall that said, pray first. And um, I would pray before I got on a phone call. I would pray before I had a meeting. I didn't always remember that in the meeting, but I would try to, I'd try to do it the right way. You can look at success in different ways, but you can't let People grind you down because mm-hmm. um, they will. They will always bring up the negative. They have an ability to always discourage you more than encourage you. 
Someone said once, <laughs> your greatest asset are your people. They also are your biggest headache. Mm-hmm. So my point is, um, if you don't have passion, you will fail. If you don't have integrity, you will fail. But you have to have an attitude in your belly of failure is not an option. Otherwise, you will sit down and sitting down, you'll wait and waiting die. Never, 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 never. Winston Churchill said this. Never, 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 never give up. Mm-hmm. Ever. <laughs> don't ever. Don't ever give up because... It's so easy to give up. Yeah. It's so easy to fail. It's so easy to listen to other people. It's so easy to just think, you, I can't. But most importantly, God is telling you, you can. And when he says you can, you can. That's good. When I thought about this question, how do you define leadership, I also thought of not only possibly leadership of CCB, but the leadership I had even in a ministry or, oh, yeah. or in a yeah. family, mm-hmm. you know, leading. Yes. Um, so my first thought was be a leader that others would want to follow, that either others would choose to follow, be a leader. And that means that has to have that integrity, the honesty. And I think in my case, servanthood is Mm -hmm. a big part of leadership. When others see that you're willing to not put yourself higher than them and you're willing to serve them, they want to follow. I saw it in the ministry all the time. I didn't even know people would be watching what I did off to the side, but I can remember that um, a woman watched me where I parked my car. I'd ask people in the ministry to park if you didn't have children or you could park farther away, park your car. I was the first one there because I was the leader, so I could have had the first parking space. But someone came to me and said, I want to thank you for doing what you say and ask. And I went, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And they said, because I saw you go to your car and you parked your car far away. Now, I never would have guessed that. I wasn't doing that, that I thought somebody was going to watch me. So then that means that's big part of leadership. Mm -hmm. And it makes people want to follow you as you live out what you really say and believe. Mm -hmm. So walk your talk is what some people say it. But that Patrick said, more things are caught than taught. You can tell everybody, park the car, you know, far away. But then you take the first parking space because I'm here and I'm the leader. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. And somehow that speaks volumes to other people. So I just think that, um, and of course also in leadership, it's not just being, I've told this picture to Patrick many times. Chris has had it on his wall of the ship that's in the storm. And basically what it's saying is anyone can steer a ship in a calm, Mm -hmm. but it takes a captain and one who, you know, hangs in there to go through a storm. So then that leads to what he said, and that's attitude. And one of my favorite authors is Chuck Swindoll, and he said, I am convinced life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. So again, carrying on that attitude in the storm, what is very mm-hmm. important of how you react to things. I'll tell you something I'm so proud of, and I just love this, about how I'm a mix of you two. Just this week, I was talking to Steve about the storm, going into the eye of storm, and I feel like COVID-19 has been a storm, and I'm trying to do my best, but 
it's hard. You got to have people, you know, ready to go. But the fact that you have, to, we're on the same wavelength of talking about that is so important. I, I just want to add, I think, and I've said this before, but I think adding on to it, number one, courageous. You've got to be courageous. This, it's scary to be a leader when all eyes are on you. As my dad said, and people said, being at the top is very lonely. So you have to be courageous. People are looking at you to make a decision. I don't care if you're head of your house, head of a company, people are wanting you to make the decision. And guess what? You don't know, you're only human. So is your decision right or wrong? Nobody knows, but you do have to be courageous. Somebody needs to make the decision. Uh, the other one is servant leadership. That is so important. If you're gonna lead courageously, but also how do you lead? Are you the first in line? Or are you the last in line? Um, and I don't think you just do it for show. Everyone look at me, I'm last in line, look at me. You have to do it because you're willing to do it. The other thing is separation. I asked a pastor once, how in the world do you get up and preach when you know everyone's like dirty secrets? He's like, it's not easy, but when I get up there and I do my job to preach, I preach not at them, I preach for everyone. And I think as a leader, you, you know stuff that's going on and sometimes you have to put on that face and that smile even though you're going through a really hard time with that person, you have to do it in order to get through. If it makes it all about you, everyone in the room will know what's going on. If you're a leader, you still find a way to grind through, tuck the stuff because we all get hurt, we all get tired, but do you find a way to rise above it? I think is so important. Mm -hmm. So the lessons I've learned, uh, that's leadership, I think. So the kind of a heavy question to, to end on, um, success in business can mean so many different things to people. Uh, I'm interested to hear, you know, what does success in business look like to you then? So how can those of us listening in know that we've succeeded? Well, creating pillars are important. And pillars are things that hold things up. So you have to be you have to achieve their, they look easy. <laughs> I heard something the other day on uh, when you, when people dance, they make it look easy. But if you try to do it yourself, it's hard. Mm -hmm. So you should make things look easy. And at the same time, create certain pillars that are important to you that are, that are core, core pillars, core values. I'm going to say this. I think success looks like when the person who takes my position does it better then I did it. Hmm. Find a way to make the company be better. When you leave, it's better because you found the right people who can come behind you and do it better than the way you did. Because a lot of people struggle with that. I don't know if I want my record broken. I want to see people break my records. That means the company's going in the right direction because I find the right people who can actually do better than I did. Learn from my mistakes. Don't do what I did. Be better than me. Success is about paying it forward, not about keeping it all to yourself. And I'm going to be excited one day when I walk away and I see what everyone's doing without me touching a thing. And I'm going to say, the company's running because of the people that I've chosen to trust and have empowered, and they're making it better. So I can't wait to see uh, this continue to develop. But that's what I think success is. I'm going to throw it to my mom. Leaving a legacy that others would want to duplicate or continue to move forward in the future to make it grow, hmm. which is very similar to what you said. To me, that speaks volume that dad and I did something right. Hmm. And I think when I hear somebody say about our company, you did something right. And now they say you are doing something right. There's continuity there. 
that started with a foundation and you need a strong foundation to build a house or it's going to fall over. So build it with strong with that integrity, honesty, caring, compassion, you know, caring for employees, families, communities, and, and customers, which is what we want to do. And then build on it. We never would have thought about an IT showcase. We never would have saw how our IT department would be in, on Main Street. Dad and I didn't even have that thought mm. back when we started 30 years ago. That wasn't a clue. Taking our employees, I think one of the biggest things I'll never forget was we were on a luxury grand, Greyhound bus taking our employees to a Brewers game, and we had snacks for them on the bus, and we had coolers on the, you know, waters and drinks on the bus for the employees. Chris looked at me, and he said, we never would have thought of this coming. But how exciting to see how that happened. And giving God the glory, we are always thankful that he carried us through many hardships that we should have gone under. There's no explanation when everybody else in the Racine area were letting thousands of people go from their company, and we saw it on the newspaper, that there were times that we don't know how we survived, but God did. And Mm -hmm. by making adjustments of what we could do, but keeping that we're not going to stop. We're not going to eliminate a job if we don't have to. We're just going to do what we have to do and keep going. And now Patrick's is doing the same thing. Who mm-hmm. would have guessed COVID 2020 was going to hit us? Nobody saw that coming. Mm-hmm. I always love the thought that reputation is what others think of you. Character is what God knows who you are. Mm-hmm. And the character of the company should always be there. That's good. So grateful that we were able to spend the time together. Um, I'm also grateful on a selfish and personal level because uh, I'm a beneficiary of all of the seeds that you guys planted 30 years ago. Um, I didn't ever work in your basement, <laughs> but I do have stories as well. And and, and my kids uh, are like shocked when CCB doesn't sponsor something in the community. That's how involved we are now because of what you, uh, Chris, and what you, Patty, laid uh, from a foundation standpoint. So um, very grateful to be in the room with you. Also grateful to help uh, carry the torch forward, even a few inches. Um, so thanks for this, and maybe we'll do it again. And then uh, we'll just you know tell stories about bad employees or something next time. <laughs> War stories. <laughs> War stories. <laughs> Scars. <laughs> Takeaway and action item. Takeaway: It is possible to hold on to your beliefs, your closest relationships, and still succeed in business. It's not easy but it can be done. The Booths have done it. And I'm a beneficiary of what they started nearly 30 years ago. And there's so much more going on over here than just discounted IT products and help desk calls. Their business, this business, is impacting families. Action item. Take stock of your closest relationships, regardless of your title or position currently. How are you doing? Are you committed to the most important things? Make adjustments now to keep from having regrets later. If you want more content, we have dozens and dozens of other episodes for you. Go to ccbtechnology.com slash podcast. You'll have access to conversations spanning servant leadership, the imposter syndrome, what it's like playing in the Super Bowl, uh, the X Games. What's that all about? And if you're listening on your phone, I would ask that you click subscribe 
Share the episode with a friend or a colleague and consider giving us a five-star review. It helps us spread the word and we appreciate it big time. And as always, from all of us at CCB Technology, thanks for listening.